We are back for another episode of Too Many Men, and by we, I mean Eric Johnson, Zach Riley, and John Gallietto. We might see Tony later in the podcast. We usually do uh, during the Tuesday episodes. He usually pops in and out. We might, we might not. Uh, today was NFL trade deadline day, so we saw quite a bit of action today. More, I think, this year than we have in prior years. We got the World Series going on. I got the game going on in, in the background, the first inning. But we are starting with the Brooklyn Nets because they have made the news recently. Uh, Steve Nash has been fired is the is the terminology that they're using. Jacques Vaughn was briefly put in his interim until about an hour later when it was announced that Ime Udoka, the suspended Celtics coach, is going to be permanent. Uh, he will be the hire and it should be announced in the next 24 to 48 hours. It's just been chaos for Brooklyn this year, who's two and five and almost blew that almost uh, blew that game to Indiana last night. Yeah, they, oh, it's sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. It's, it's almost no surprise that as of September 28th, they have a listing on their website looking for a, P, a new PR manager. Are they actually? Yeah, it's 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 still unfilled after a month. I mean, we should apply. We should. I mean, that's, a, that's probably a good paying gig for us. I feel like we could easily do a better job than whoever, if there even is someone. I mean, clearly the job's not being done at all right now because that's based on their their actions over the last month and really the last few months. I I now know for a fact that that job is not filled. <laughs> but uh oh yeah sorry what were you saying Zach? No I, I just they've been so disorganized the Nets. Uh, this this whole for even the Lakers too. I mean, it's just crazy how these teams with such good players are not performing the way they want to be. It's kind of the worst case start for them for both teams, wouldn't you say? Also, I mean, not maybe not so much. I feel like the Lakers is a little bit more expected, but with the Nets, I mean, like one and like what are they like one and five, two and five, two, two and five. five. Was it two? Oh yeah, they won last night. They yeah. they won last night. Oh, came dangerously close to one and six. Jeez. I guess Indiana too, nonetheless. But the yeah, two and five with Ben Simmons, the guy they traded James Harden for. Oh, you know, are, are we are we reaping the rewards of that right now? Can we can we just like wait, let's talk about this for a minute, just because that trade is just looking hor- horrendous for Brooklyn now, considering that they are actually two and five right now. Not looking great. I mean, sure, they are right up, up now in Chicago, but I don't feel confident about the long-term prospects of this team. And they don't even own their pick this year. Houston. The Rockets own their the Rockets own their pick. When does Houston stop owning Brooklyn's first round picks? Well, the thing is, it's not even like I, I believe they have a pick swap this year. So uh in between pick swaps and outright owning their picks. I feel like they have control of their draft until 2027. I might That's be. Fine. Yes. Which is kind of nuts. For a, all for a year and a half of James Harden. Think about that. They gave up Jared Allen, Cyrus Levert, uh, other guys too, as well, you know, for, for Harden, as well, besides the picks too, you know, guys for all contributing on other teams now. It's. Quite, it's quite the it's it's you know as a Knicks fan, this is quite entertaining. I was just about to say if this if this chaos was happening to the Knicks, it would be the number one sports story in the country. No, because they're the Nets, it's still under the radar. Well, not under the radar, but 
it's not not, not as pro- not as prominent as it would be for the Knicks. Yeah. Nets are two and five now. Zach here has realized that this is a, a new start for the Nets and has decided to go ahead and place bets on multiple Nets in this game against the Chicago Bulls that is taking place yeah. right now. Yeah, I figured with it being, you know, just like how the Phillies lost their coach and immediately started playing better, I figured tonight they'd have some uh, top scorers. Which could, could be the case. I'm not sure Steve Nash was the problem, though. He was maybe a problem, but it didn't seem like he was the crux of the issue. But there weirdly is always something like that to that, like where I feel like the game directly after a coach gets fired, the team really plays super hard for that either interim coach or the new head coach or whatever, whoever's like coaching for that game, just because they want to prove it to be like, okay, well, it wasn't my performance that got the coach fired, you know? They're like, they really try extra hard. Jacques Vaughn is coaching tonight, right? Yes. Yeah, I believe okay, so. I mean, I don't know how long this, what the timeline is for this Udoka thing, if that's like almost just like a matter of time, if, if like a matter of when, not if. I mean, Wolf uh, and Shams both tweeted it, so. That's all you really, really know. They really, again, so, like, they really just don't care about the PR hits, considering everything with Kyrie the last few weeks, just Ben Simmons, Durant requesting the trade, and all that drama in the offseason. Like, how, like, is this the most toxic situation in, in the NBA? And maybe in, like, sports? Yeah, I I don't know if, if sports, but definitely at least the NBA because I think Woj said it on his podcast earlier today. Who wants the Brooklyn head coaching job? Like, who yeah, seriously would want coach. it? Isn't he the, the front runner at the moment? Udoka, yeah. well, that's what we're saying. Udoka is probably going to end up getting the gig, and it makes sense why he would want it since he's doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's at this point with him, you know, depending on, I mean, like, you know, it's possible that he might not have no other, might not have had other any suitors, you know, besides the Nets. So it makes complete sense why he would go back to Brooklyn. Plus, he was an assistant there as recently as like a year ago. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on in Brooklyn. I think they're going to perform better without Nash, but, you know, this is a team that's, we're now talking about, are they making the playoffs? It's just a weird roster construction, you know, and, you know, people were talking about this in free agency about like how the fit with Simmons and Katie and Kyrie, people were like trying to be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter that Simmons can't shoot because he's got the shooter, he's got spacing around him. But then the reality of it is that when he and Claxton are on the floor together, you can just double team Katie and Kyrie the entire time and just leave those guys open at three point line. Or inside the paint. Uh, Bryce Harper just did a two-run home run, by the way. Nice. Oh, oh no. They're going to win. It's, you know, nothing you can do about it. Well, this, this is a good segue to the World Series, I think. <laughs> um, Phillies up 2-0 in Game 3. Split 1-1 in Houston. And I'm going to be honest, the Astros should have had Game 1 on lock. And they yeah, won. definitely should have. They blew it. Five run lead evaporated within two innings. Jeez. How does that happen? It's not good, that's for sure. Especially with Verlander on the mound. Well, Verl, I mean, he left the game and the bullpen just 
completely let it up, I'm pretty sure. He only had, what, two runs let up that game? Well, I know they chased Verlander out of it. Did they? Uh, yeah. You know, and this is the thing. This is the Nationals 2019 all over again. It's feeling just like it really is. Yeah, Verlander allowed all five runs, struck out five. And I will say this, I I give credit where credit's due. Tony said the first game of the playoffs, the Phillies have that Nationals vibe to them. Yeah, he did. And, I mean, right now, you do now. I mean, the Phillies, they're a hot team. They got hot at the right time. And they're paying it off, and they're looking very good against the Astros, and not many teams this year have, so... The Phillies lineup overall is just really good, though. It is. They have a lot of great hitters that can get doubles and triples and, you know, hits when they need to. And it's not just a home run hitting squad. Yeah, I mean, you've got your Harpers and your Schwarbers and, you know, your Hoskins, you know, who do like the long ball. But then you got Bryson Stott, Nick Castellanos, Alec Baum. People who can hit for contact as well. Real Muto. How could I leave out Real Muto? The thing that concerns me about the Phillies is the pitching staff behind Nola and Wheeler. And, and everybody in that staff has looked great, even like all throughout the playoffs. I did see that the Phillies are also undefeated at home uh, during the postseason. Yeah, and if the current score holds, that will uh, continue. You can only hope. I mean, it's only it's still early, right? Early innings. Yeah, it's literally the first. Okay, okay good. It's, yeah. it's the first inning. Um, but John and I were talking last week about how upset we would be—not just if the Phillies won the World Series, but if Cindergard got the ring. I mean, isn't he pitching tonight? Yeah, uh, I believe so. No, it was uh, Suarez, Stranger Suarez, but um, oh, okay. was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, push them. But okay, I, I realized something else, guys. I realized this the other day. If the Phillies win the World Series, Familia gets a ring. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, I don't like that. I, I, a lot of- I was like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. It's, I mean, there's so many things that I don't like. I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to find a thing I do like about them winning. Honestly. <laughs> it's tough to choose. It's it's tough. If if they do win, it is tough to see three NL East teams win the World Series, and we are not one of them. Like, the only plus side would be, I mean, I still want the Astros to win, funny enough. I'd rather have the Astros win than the Phillies. You do. But I mean, yeah. But I'd still like, but I mean, I guess if the Phillies win, when they beat the Astros, <laughs> but I mean, look, I'd still rather have the Astros win. It's just, I still like, you know, the enemy of my enemy and my friend, full effect here. Absolutely. And, of course, the game got rained out on Monday, which, I mean, gave me reminiscent shades of 2008 when that one game got rained out. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. It's the it's happening again. Anyway. Uh, making every, every fan in Philly conflicted about Thursday night football where the Eagles are playing the Texans. Philly, Houston, Philly, Houston, two different, two different sports. It's really just such a great time to be alive in Philly. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is not something that we. Um, it's not usually we, the case. Yeah, it's not usually the case when it comes to the sports teams. You know, 
couple of years, like since the Eagles Super Bowl, it's been a hard time for Philly sports. You think so? Yeah. I mean, oh, definitely. Absolutely. The the Eagles the Eagles have been up and down since the Super Bowl. I remember seeing the Eagles go four and twelve one year. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like the Sixers only started to become good after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and and how far have we gotten in the playoffs? Okay, but I mean, <laughs> you, you got you got you guys got Embiid out of all this. Like, I mean, you can't. It's has it been really that bad. It's it's been disappointing. You can, you're I think that. at least at least one of these years we should have advanced to the conference finals. Looking oh, at the one good. year, looking at the one year Kawhi made that shot. Looking right and, at, and also the Hawks series. Yeah, but I'm not as I'm not as bothered by that one as I was the Kawhi shot. Funny enough, wasn't that a three one lead though? Uh it was a three two lead. Oh, okay, wait. It, it was Doc Rivers. Was... Game Game Six just just hurt me. It just hurt me, and that city was not looking forward to Game Seven. But look how things are going in Philadelphia. Phillies are in the World Series. Eagles are seven and zero. Flyers are doing really well. The Union are in MLS Cup Saturday night, and then the Sixers are finally starting to gain a little bit of momentum. But I still want Doc Rivers gone. Hey, I mean, listen, it's it's always sunny in Philly. This it is, it is. Um. Let's go to the NFL trade deadline. And yeah, just, a lot of news with this today. Yeah. We've done podcast episodes in the past on NFL trade deadline day where it was just a glance over, nothing happened. Not really the case here. So it started off really at like noon. And this trade happened. And I didn't need to worry about anything the rest of the day because I was a happy man. The Minnesota Vikings acquired tight end TJ Hawkinson for the Detroit Lions in exchange for a second and a third. We get a fourth as well, and we get we get two fourths in it, one of which can become a conditional fifth. As long as you use them better or use him better than Detroit did, I think you'll be fine. The thing is this we acquired so many of those mid-round picks. Over the years, eventually I was like, we have to trade him for a player. We have to, or at least move up in the draft. I'd rather this than move up in the draft. Oh my goodness, a stunner from Quisi Adolfo Mensa, who said he was not afraid to make moves to improve this team. The two things I wanted, somebody in the secondary and somebody, or a wide receiver three. I didn't know that TJ Hawkinson was going to be available, and I'd rather have a new franchise tight end than a wide receiver three all day. Yeah, especially when the guy who you had pegged in, not to be your franchise tight end, but just to be your tight end in any in any case, Irv Smith Jr. is going to be missing eight to ten weeks with a high ankle sprain. This couldn't have come at a better time. I think Irv Smith has played his last game as a member of the Minnesota Vikings, and I think he played on Sunday. You think now with that for just – and now that you have Hawkinson, or just you think he's it's not worth rostering? Well, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Oh, okay. Right? Like, you traded for arguably a top five tight end in football. Use him and extend him properly. Is Chris I, Herndon still on the team? He is not. Okay, good. He is not good still on the team. <laughs> <laughs> that was my other question. No, uh, got, they've got, a, they got Irv Smith and Johnny Munt, but if with Irv out now... 
they got TJ Hawkinson. Now, this is great because I was like, we need another pass catcher. We need another pass catcher. We got it. And another in-division trade between the Lions and Vikings. Second one, just a number of months. Meanwhile, you got the Bears going out out here just trying to <laughs> mess with the mess with the Packers. But before we get to before we get to that one, though, we should go back just yesterday because otherwise we'll forget about the other Chicago trade with probably the biggest oh, Rob- one. Yeah, yeah. So, so we talked about the Robert Quinn trade with the Eagles a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think so. Then they go out and trade Roquan Smith. Now Roquan Smith was already, I think, one foot out the door. After, yeah, I mean, after the tears in the press conference. That and when they didn't come to an extension with him in the offseason, you know, that was something he was very much adamant about yeah. getting. So red flags all over the place. It was just a matter of if not when he was going to get traded. He goes to Baltimore for, I believe, a second and a fifth. And yes, this automatically improves the Ravens defense. Baltimore's always been a defense first team, even with Lamar at the helm. They are ruthless in that backfield. And this is this is a good move, a move in in a few aspects. One, considering that I mean they just gotta manage the situation right. They either have to extend him or they have to let him go. If they let him go, they get a compensatory draft pick. And if they extend him, then they can thus franchise Lamar if they can't come to an extension with him. But they cannot waste their franchise tag on Roquan Smith. Because they can't leave any of a, like a possibility of the chance if Lamar doesn't sign a long term deal, they got to save the tag for him. I saw somebody on Twitter say that Lamar should negotiate Roquan Smith's deal, and Roquan Smith should negotiate Lamar's deal. <laughs> you see, that's good. That way, just they could they can each. I mean, Lamar actually doesn't even have an agent, does he? You probably do better, Roquan. <laughs> Chestnut checkers, my friend. <laughs> so. The Bears now have a second-round pick, an extra second. So what did they do? They decided to trade their own second-round pick. <laughs> I was surprised that they uh, bought at this deadline. Yeah, they, they traded their second for, for Chase Claypool. And the first thing I thought of was, because we saw that they got Chase Claypool. Field Yates tweeted out they got Claypool. And I was like, okay, that's a good fit. You know, I Justin Fields needs wide receiver one. And I was like, well, depends on what the return is. They gave up their own second round pick for him, which is probably going to be a high second. Yeah, that's. <laughs> what the hell are you doing, Ryan Poles? Unless they think that they're that he's a good fit with Fields. I mean, I mean, look at else? the Bears pass catchers right now, though. Who's better than Claypool? No one. Exactly. So that's why. That's why. That's why they they're like, it's, listen. It's like Ryan Pace is still there. Yeah, I would have definitely done the Ravens pick <laughs> if I could have I, traded. I wouldn't him, have but... done a second period. Apparently, I mean, the rumors this was to outbid the Packers. By the way, that's why I honestly think they did that. I honestly think this is more just to get get him away from the Packers. It's a long term play to make Rodgers piss. Oh my god! I saw that and went, "Oh my goodness!" Now they traded Robert Quinn for mid-round picks. I believe it was a fourth and a fifth. Trey Roquan Smith for a second and a fifth. And then they use a second to go get Chase Claypool. Now, I want to point this out that at the draft, when the Bears had their pick in the second round, 
George Pickens was on the board and they didn't take him. Yeah. Who did they take? One George Pickens. Tell you that right now. By the way, I think it's hilarious that Chase Claypool announced the pick for George Pickens and George Pickens ended up being the guy that replaced him in uh, Pittsburgh. Who did the Bears take? They took Kyler Gordon, a cornerback out of Washington. Oh, my God. And then they took a receiver two rounds later, Vilas Jones Jr., who's 25 years old. A couple of names that the Bears passed on at wide receiver alone. Wandale Robinson. John Mechie, who I hope oh, who is going to be a stud for Houston when he gets healthy. Prayers up to him. Tyquan Thornton, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore. Yeah, that's that's kind of a substantial list of guys you just passed on, mm-hmm. and then you trade a second rounder for Claypool for why? I mean, maddening decision making here from Ryan Poles. I mean, Poles listen, inexcusable. I will say this about Fields. He's played much improved the last two weeks. And so I understand the idea of wanting to give him a little bit more help, you know, to, you know, see what you have there. But at this point, you know, in the season, why not just take the ask you have and then just go all in? I mean, I, I mean, see what you have with him this year. I mean, I feel like he's played well enough that you can reasonably go into next year as with him as a starter and you go like a full draft, you know, trying to support him, you know, put, give him weapons. You uh, what's that receiver like uh, in the draft that everyone's been mocking, like a top seven, something oh, like. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. But no, like uh, there's like there's always a top receiver. You know what I mean? Get that guy, get that guy in the draft. You know, like and follow the same path that you know the Bills took with Josh Allen. He they got him. Diggs, the Bur- the uh the Bengals got Burrow Chase. And, you know, look at the trajectory he's had. Tua, look at what he's doing with Tyreek and Waddle. You know, like you got to get these guys help. The other thing is this: they also have to get help on the offensive line and fast. Yeah, that is. You no, know, they they openly employ Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, I mean that guy was. Drafted in the first that he was drafted in the first as as like early as a year ago too, and now he's cutting on a second team. So the Bears do that, and I immediately sent in the too many men chat. I said they got a second for him, like like an actual like pick. By the way, uh, another note on John Mechie: he was on the field a couple weeks ago in Houston to a standing ovation. Good for him. Yeah, he's recovering from leukemia. Um, more trades because that was not all the trades that went down. The Steelers were active as well, getting William Jackson the third, publicly wanted out of Washington. He gets it, he goes to Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know from an like an on-field perspective, he's going from a, a better team, but from a culture perspective, absolutely a big win for William Jackson. A hundred percent. I mean, getting out of Washington in general. I mean, Pittsburgh might have less wins, I believe, at this time. I actually think they do. But at the, no, no matter how you look at it, it's just a better organization. As soon as TJ Watt comes back to watch that team flip turn around and get some wins, because it's just a night and day difference with him on the field. Buffalo finally gets their running back, trading for Naeem Hines of the Indianapolis Colts. 
Uh, this is the running back I had pegged going to Buffalo during this whole trade deadline process. I know people were saying Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt. I thought that was going to be too expensive. The Bills do care about their draft picks, but they send Zach Moss the other way to Indy. And I think that's the fascinating part, too, is that Indy got a roster player that can help right away from this trade. I also think it kind of tells you how much they must feel confident in Deion Jackson, the guy who stepped up for Hines and Taylor when they were both injured, you know, and his abilities to be like a the next running back on the depth chart. I still don't – I feel like the Bills must not have thought too much of Moss. If they were willing to part ways with him so quickly after investing. I believe it is like a third rounder in him Yeah, a year an, ago. It was an early pick too. But Hines, man – Bro, I mean, this is just a perfect fit for Buffalo. And so they they must love it. And as a Jet fan, I hate it. I mean, because this is just exactly what they needed. They don't have, like, their run game has been suspect. And Hines isn't going to fix their rushing attack necessarily. But his, what he brings to the passing game, that being able to line up and, you know, in RPOs, you know, this, what he's going to bring to the offense is going to be a, another layer just to already one of the best offenses in the entire NFL. They needed somebody else in that backfield. And I like Devin Singletary, and Singletary's having a good year, but they needed another back, and they, they got him in nine Hines. All right, gentlemen. Let's go down to South Beach, huh? The team that has dominated headlines today, the Miami Dolphins, trading for Bradley Chubb, giving up a first-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and running back Chase Edmonds. They are going to the Denver Broncos. In return, the Dolphins get one of the best young pass rushers in the NFL, a blockbuster of blockbusters. And Bradley Chubb is just adding another piece to that vaulted Dolphins defense. My goodness. AFC East, watch out. A needed piece, too, because while the Dolphins are scary and they rightfully have everyone on the NF- in the AFC on notice. They still like they're they're doing all this without even all the line having as much of an impact as you would expect. Only 15 sacks on the year coming into today before the Bradley Chubb edition. And so he's going to be a much needed, you know, addition. Like what he's going to bring to that line is going to be good. Now it's only a question of his health, his long-term health, you know, and they will have to extend him with his free agency coming up. And Alec Bohm just hit a home run. It's now 3 nothing in mm-hmm. Citizens Bank Park. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's going to be tough for Houston to win at home uh, in Philly. I'm going to give them that. Yeah, the, the, they're, they're already down early. Uh, they are getting to McCullers. But going back to, to Chubb, right, you mentioned about the health. Absolutely 100%. The thing I want to talk about with this is – Chris Greer, the general manager. He has turned the three picks that he got for Trey Lance into Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, and Bradley Chubb. Roster management 101. Yeah, it's just it's frustrating to see all these teams in my division being so well run. I mean, my team is finally well run too, so it's at least a little bit easier to you know to deal with, but I mean they are, but you got, you got a tough test. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's I mean, it's good. It's great as a neutral fan of football, but as someone who obviously roots for the Jets, this is just painful to see. This, this is this is tough for you, I know. The Red Zone. It'll be great to see when they're not playing the Jets. 
So they gave up running back Chase Edmonds, sent him over to Denver. In return, they got Jeff Wilson Jr. from the 49ers in exchange for a fifth-round pick. So all the Raheem Mostert talk. Yeah. Still got Chase Edmonds in that backfield. Or you got uh, Jeff Wilson in that backfield. And they're reunited. We, we should mention that, though, because I know Tony mentioned this in our group chat earlier. Like, what did Miami, what was they, what are they doing giving Chase Evans that contract in free agency for, like, three years, like, 13 million, just to go ahead and trade him at the first, like, opportunity? I mean, like, yeah, I know it wasn't looking good for him these first few weeks, but, I mean, this, I mean, that's, they gave up on that investment very quickly. That's all I'm surprised yeah, about. The four-year contract that they gave Chase Evans, right, $12 million a year to be essentially the backup to Raheem Mostert. And I knew it was going to be that the minute that they signed Mostert. I'm like, oh, boy, Chase Edmonds is going to be, uh, oh, boy. Like, he's already down down a spot in the depth chart. So they send him to Denver where the situation is better, sort of. Like, better in the short term. But in the long term, you have to assume Javante Williams is coming back. Right, guys? I would think so, yeah. So, like so now Denver is paying Chase Edmonds $12 million to be RB2 for the next three years. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Because Melvin Gordon will be on the way out after next after this year. So, so it's, they're going on a committee of those two, I guess. So I will I will officially say this. Chase Edmonds' agent goes to the Hall of Fame. His agent goes to the Hall of Fame. Along with Sam Bradford's agent, Chase Daniels' agent, Kirk Cousins' agent, Kenny Galladay's agent. You can add Chase Edmonds' agent to that list now for negotiating him that deal if he's getting that little playing time in Miami and presumably Denver. Yeah, I mean, Chase Chase Edmonds, I mean, I, I think that... Really, the bigger name from that, though, you said they received Jeff Wilson from the Niners. Yeah, Jeff Wilson's Jeff Wilson going to be a great fit. For a fifth-round pick. And once again, for the second time in his career, Jeff Wilson is the backup running back to Raheem Mostert. So Mostert should just be, like, clutching his, like, knees, you know, and, like, in fear, you know, because his presence in the field just means bad things for him. <laughs> clutching his knees in fear. Mike McDaniel... Not a fan of draft picks. <laughs> hey, listen, the less need method works. All right. Fuck those picks. <laughs> the less need method and apparently the John Lynch method now, too, after what happened with Christian McCaffrey. Um hey, it looked like but, looked like it was paying off on Sunday, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I was gonna say, let's go over the uh the week eight slate. I know this was this was Thursday night, but we'll briefly uh go over it. Uh, Ravens defeating the Buccaneers 27-22. Tom Brady looks off this year. The Buccaneers as a whole look off this year. And the Buccaneers, as of this recording, are not in first place in the NFC South heading into week nine, the halfway point of the season. I don't think anybody saw that one coming. No, I don't think so. I know I didn't. Tom Brady, I mean, his decision to come back, obviously not looking great. Well, he's... He is now a, a free man. He is a free man. He is divorced from, from Giselle. Four nothing Phillies. Brandon Marsh now. Three home runs. Wow. Oh my God. So they 
So you're going to have to pull McCullers, right, guys? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, this is all in one inning, or is this two? Bottom Either way. Second. We're in the second now. Either way, still. Same same point applies. But, yeah, yeah uh, Buccaneers are now three and five on the year. Ooh, I pray. I mean, Our, yeah, that division is just so weird. And I mean, I know we'll talk about that game later with Carolina and Atlanta. Like, but like, it's just really no one actually has established themselves as a true dominant team. You know, I mean, the Buccaneers, that's definitely going to be a huge blow. I mean, did we even mention how they lost Shaq Barrett for the year? Yeah, they torn Achilles. Shaq Barrett's down. Oh, my God. And that's the heart of the defense. I'm, I mean, I would say, you know, so I mean, as to where they're going to go next, you know, from here, I mean, they have a tough game ahead. I mean, the Rams also needing to get back on track. Yeah. And the Rams, they alone have been have been struggling their own right. All the NFC powerhouses we thought they were going to be, uh, not the case. You know, we'll talk about the Rams in a little bit. Okay. Did either of you wake up early Sunday morning to watch the Broncos play the Jaguars? Oh, no way. Okay. So we're no. skipping this game? I mean, we could talk. We can just talk about the fact that they won a game, and I think most people were surprised by that. Uh, yes, and Russell Wilson's workout method on the airplane. He's just getting cringier by the minute. <laughs> he's got Ooh. subway ads. He's got airplane workouts. What is going on with him? I mean, he got the win, sure, but still. When you have Justin Tucker making fun of you on airplanes, man, that's. That's when you know. <laughs> yeah. Ravens flock, let's fly. <laughs> Ravens flock, let's fly. Oh my god. I I can't with with the whole Denver thing. I still think Nathaniel Hackett's gotta go. But the other thing I want to say is this. Week three, when they were two and one and the Jaguars were looking mighty, there was legitimate cause for them to be the best team in the AFC South. Like we believed that. They haven't won a game since. Yeah, well, there's an actual there's a quote from Trevor Lawrence after they beat the Chargers 38 and they went sexy. Please, please, please find that quote from Trevor Lawrence because I love to hear this one. It, give me a, what were you gonna say, Zach? No, I I just was agreeing. Oh yeah, I mean, about the, the the Jaguars, like they had this division on lock week three. They did. And they were very clearly looking like the best team. The Colts were struggling. The Titans were struggling. And the Texans, well, you know. And then Houston beat Jacksonville. And ever since then, shit's gone way downhill. Basically, the gist of it basically says, like, we are a good team and you need to take us seriously after they beat the Chargers 30-10. They've since lost five straight. I'm sorry. What was that quote? We need to take him seriously. Yes. All right. Let me find the score of the Texans Jaguars game where the Texans won 13 to six. I believe that was like, if not the week right after that, like two weeks yeah, later. A week after that. Oh my God. So problems in Jacksonville, a, a big loss at home uh, to the Broncos. And yes, I know the game was in London. I know. 
I got the exact quote. Oh, he said, please. After, beat, after beating the Chargers 38-10, he said, you cannot deny we are a really good football team. Oh, they please. are since 0-5. Oh, I can deny, Trevor. I can deny. When Geno Smith said, they write me off and I don't write back, I believed that more than I believe what Trevor Lawrence said. Oh, my goodness. I mean, bad day for the 2021 quarterback uh, draft class last year uh, on Sunday. With Mac Jones, Lawrence, and Zach Wilson all just looking god-awful. Fields didn't even look great. He looked, looked like amazing compared to them. We'll get to the Jets in a little bit, and I heard – I didn't watch that game, but I heard not so great things that happened at well, the stadium. Well, yeah. But – happens. This is the other, this is one of the games John wanted to talk about. Atlanta beating Carolina 37-34. The score really doesn't tell the whole story. Because it was 28-34 Atlanta and it looked like the Falcons were in cruise control, much like they were multiple times throughout the past couple of years. They were surely going to get a win here. And then PJ Walker with the throw of the year to DJ Moore, catches it for a Hail Mary touchdown. And what did DJ Moore do afterwards? He pulled him Elijah Moore. Throws his helmet, 15-yard penalty, and kicker Eddie Pinheiro misses the extra point. Well, let me just be clear. One, that shouldn't be an unsportsmanlike celebration, but it is. But it's just so funny that it... That it happened like that, you know, like he was he it, he actually took off his helmet when he left the field too, like when he was off the field, like when he was on the sideline. So it should have been okay. Yeah, I was gonna say it's different when you're on the field than when you are off it. Still, though, removing the helmet, like as much as I disagree with it being a penalty on the sideline, the rules are the rules, and if you remove your helmet, that's that's unsportsmanlike. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Like that's that's the penalty. This is just what it is. Yeah. And he misses the extra point. And the Falcons go on to win the game. Now, any other game, okay. Maybe if Carolina won that, they would have been first in the NFC South. The best part though, it doesn't even paint the full picture of how like much Carolina blew that because not only that. So Atlanta starts the ball in overtime. They Carolina picks them off. Yes, I saw that. And then I believe they missed the field goal in overtime. Yes, they did. And then Atlanta was just able to drive right down, hit the field goal, win the game, go home. I am, I am surprised Eddie Pinheiro has a job with Carolina. I mean, it's it's a hot seat, I would imagine. But I mean, he's he's made some good kicks for them this year. It's just yeah. when you lose get a game like that, you know, especially a pivotal divisional one like that, I could have kept Carolina in the playoff race, believe it or not. And just in case anybody doubted it, uh, PJ Walker is starting on Sunday uh, once again. Really? Yeah. I mean, he's proven himself to be you know reliable at the moment, so. Tony again, putting in the group chat. Yeah, I was just going to say, the Phillies have that 2019 Nats vibe. Talking about it on the air, and he decides to put it in the group chat again. Dak, Dak yeah. Prescott, what was that, Zach? 
Oh, I thought you were saying my name, but you were saying Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, yeah. This was his his return, a 49-29 win over the Chicago Bears, but this was Tony Pollard's game. 133 yards on the ground, a hat trick of touchdowns, multiple players this week with a hat trick of touchdowns, Tony Pollard being one of them, and the Cowboys are 6-2. and two. Impressive performance out of Dallas. Very. I mean, the, like they like the way Pollard stepped up. You know, it really begs the question as to like why they aren't giving him more of a role over like Elliot at this point. I mean, it just seems like he's more effective in the limited carries that he gets, even when Zeke is healthy. Yeah, and Pollard's a free agent after this year, uh, gentlemen. He's gonna get paid a lot of money. He's he's way too good just to be underused the way he is in Dallas. And I hope either they realize that and try and well actually no, they shouldn't really pay another running back. No, that that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, they gotta let him go. <laughs> <laughs> they in a perfect world you got you get rid of Zeke. But that's not gonna happen. No one's taking that contract off your hands. They can't, right? I, I mean that would take that. You have to get well, we we always say that, but then there's some team you put you put a, you put a draft suite there in there. Some team's gonna take that contract. And as we know, the NFL salary cap is a myth. Yeah, well, he's gonna get he's gonna get traded somehow to the Saints for Alvin Kamara. <laughs> <laughs> Your 2018 fantasy football first two running backs getting traded for each other. Imagine. I don't know, Zach. What do you think about this whole Zeke Elliott Tony Pollard conundrum that the Cowboys have coming in the off season? I think they've always been in this little situation here, and it's just it, it's tough because you might. How long does uh, Elliot have on his contract? He's got like two, three more years, right, John? Uh, I think it's two years. I want to say. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think this point he's least kind of ride with him. I mean, look, Pollard right now is performing like he's performing like he's the top running back, plain and simple. But John's right. Somebody's going to take that Z contract. So, yeah, eventually. I mean, look at, I mean, McCaffrey. And McCaffrey goes to a different team and immediately uh, turns into, you know, star player again. Like, I mean, not that he wasn't there, but they didn't utilize him right and he kept getting injured. Yeah, and I think that was a general a, a Carolina thing as well. But McCaffrey was the highlight of that Carolina team. And as you'll see later, he's going to be the highlight in San Francisco. Uh, Miami comes back, defeats the Lions 31-27. Detroit 1-6 on pace right now to have the number one pick in the draft. This is a bad defense. The worst defense in football. Jared Goffins has kind of fallen off, too. Yeah. We jinxed him. We jinxed him on this podcast because we have given Jared Goff so much credit through the first, like, four or five weeks of the year, and he has since fallen off. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I Trisha and I have a lot of blame for that. But, I mean, listen, can you blame us? How hard knocks had us drinking that Kool-Aid, real, like, through and through, man. I mean... We all bought into Dan, what Dan Campbell was selling. Magic beans. And now we all know, like I said, he's a snake oil salesman. Yes. Magic beans. And I said this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. 
And I'll say it again. It's not going to be popular here. Dan Campbell needs to go at the end of the year. What he is doing there right now from a culture standpoint, night and day from what was there before with Matt Patricia. But the problem is this. This team should be getting more than one win by week nine. It should. Yeah. It's good, but it's not. This team has less wins so far in the same amount of games that Matt like that Matt Patricia had in like a year and a half. Like Matt Patricia had more wins than they just Dan Campbell has in like one and a half years in one season. It seems like Dan Campbell is brought in for the culture fix and not really I'm not saying not to get wins, but the results aren't showing here. And that's what's frustrating me about Detroit. Do I have any sympathy for them as a division rival? No, I do not. But at the same time, if you want to see, if you want to succeed, you need to hire a coach with a proven track record that can win. Dan Campbell wants to be here, but I don't know if he's the long-term solution in Detroit, especially when it looks like the deep rebuild is continuing. Yeah, I mean, like you said, sometimes you just need a guy who can change the culture and then like not not a football comparison but like you know mark jackson for the warriors a guy to like make it change the culture your, and your football put your guys in the right path your yeah. football comparison ron rivera yeah Look exactly on washington night and day he's but not i mean putting, he's not putting a super team on the field but he's at least giving some stability to an organization that needed it now detroit just trade away arguably, depending on who you talk to, their best offensive weapon to an in-division rival. Not great for Detroit. Not what they want to see. I mean, they did it themselves, but... Let's talk about... What was that, John? No, and now I feel like they have their only only significant threat as a receiver until Jameson Williams is healthy is uh, Mon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. yeah. So I mentioned that they traded to an in-division rival. Let's talk about that in-division rival. Minnesota defeating Arizona 34-26. They moved to 6-1 and one on the year. It is never easy getting these wins because the third quarter has been a 20-minute nightmare for Minnesota, most or a 15-minute nightmare most most games. I will take it, though. I will always take a win, and I can say this for the first time in a while on this podcast. I don't care what anybody else on this podcast says. This is a damn good football team. It is a winning football team. This is not like the team that we have seen the past two years. This team fights hard till the end, and they fight for their coach. They are the number two seed right now in the NFC, and that is for a reason. And I am damn proud of what they've been able to do so far this season. And when was, like I said, when was the last time I was able to say that? Yeah, listen. 19? Yeah. Wins are wins. What was that, Zach? I said since the playoffs. Yeah, since since that playoff win against against New Orleans. And that was a big playoff win because that put a lot of Kirk haters think that quieted him for a little bit. For a little bit. A little bit. John, what was that? 
No, just like like you were saying, man, these wins are wins. They might not have been the prettiest, you know, in all facets. You know, you might have had comebacks you allowed, but the important thing is how you finish and the final score on the at the end of the game, when the hot the clock hits triple zeros, you know. And you guys have been winning the well, you guys have been winning those games. So I can tell you this much that I I'm not looking forward to the game playing you guys in December, I believe. We got a we got Jets. a couple couple rough games on the schedule coming up. Of course, we got Sunday against Washington, then a trip to Buffalo, and then America's game of the week against Dallas. So some tough ones coming up. It's not been the hardest schedule for Minnesota, but it's been a turbulent first couple of games uh, for the Vikings halfway through. But we also got the Giants Christmas Eve. And Thanksgiving. We got the Patriots Thanksgiving. Ooh. Yeah, so it's not, I'm not going to say it's a tough schedule, but, you know, it's one where there could be some games that I'm a little worried about, specifically that one up in Buffalo in two weeks. But the thing is this, right? I look at the Detroit game the game they played at home against the Lions where they had to come back to win. Mike Zimmer's coaching this team. They don't win that game. 100%. Mike Zimmer's and, conservative play calling never lets you guys get close. And while we're on the topic of Mike Zimmer, rest in peace to Adam, his son. Oh, my God. Ah, yeah. So terrible dry. news. Oh, my God. Like, he, he was doing well with the Vikings as defensive assistant and he was on the Bengals coaching staff this year, 28 years old. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. Yeah, man, just tragedy, but yeah. uh, What are you saying? No, I was just saying like, this is a team that I am proud to uh, 38. Sorry, not, not 28, 38. Um, This is a team that I am happy to watch every single week. Is there weaknesses? Sure. Every team's got a weakness. In my opinion, it's the secondary. Depending on who you talk to, it's the guy behind center. I don't think that, personally. I'm not entertaining the argument that Jared Goff would be better under center than Kirk Cousins. I think that is a dumb argument. I saw Jared Goff put up zero and six points two weeks in a row. Don't matter who's who you're throwing to, that's unacceptable. Yeah. But we have one of the top receiver duos in football. We now have a top five tight end in football. We have a top 15 running back in football, a healthy offensive line. It is amazing what you can do with a new regime. You want to talk about culture, John, you're talking about this with Detroit. This is the difference of culture and winning games. This is what you're seeing. Yeah. Like, because, yeah, there's such a thing as, like, yeah, there's a talk, there's a culture. But the last few years with the Jets, there was all this talk about a culture, right? And it didn't really amount to anything because we were losing games. And then this year, I can tell you, because I know you're experiencing the same thing. Once you actually start getting results from that with a new regime, it just feels so much. There's, like, a feeling of optimism that returns, you know? If you told me on November 1st, that we would have a three and a half game lead in the division would not have believed you. Yeah, I'm shocked. Well, Especially you with a few teams, too. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And well, yours is one of them, Zach. 
Uh, even, with, even even with the loss on Sunday, uh, that's stunning to me. But this is what I was going to say. And I've said this in the group chat, and I stand by this. New York, the Giants, that is, and Minnesota, carbon copies of each other. New coach comes in, immediate success. I will say you guys are a fair amount talented, though. Yeah, but it's the it's the same mantra though. It's the same I'm just, mantra. I'm, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything away from how impressive your team, the Vikings, have been. But the, what Dable has done with like a basically amounts to a box of scraps, you know, considering what the receiving core is and the weapons that Danny Dimes has to work with, you know, and how injured that defense has been. I'm just that that's impressive to me. But I mean, again, it's uh early. They haven't necessarily been tested both of these teams where they're going to be there's going to be some uh finding out about what both teams are really made of in the next few weeks we're only halfway through the season a yeah. lot can change but it has it has taken me a while but i can say at week eight after winning against the arizona cardinals the minnesota vikings are a damn good football team Agreed. i'm ready for the rest of the season i'm impressed very impressed, especially beating Arizona, who's three and five on the year now. And Kyler Murray struggled the same weekend Modern Warfare 2 came out. Not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence at all. By no means. But DeAndre Hopkins, telling you, 12 receptions. He, he is back. Didn't need any PEDs. Two weeks. He's got. Very 22 catches for 200 something, yeah, 212 yards. And he's already on pace for like over a thousand and eight games. Impressive. Very impressive out of D Hop. From one game that was close to one that was not, 24 to nothing. The Saints defeating the Raiders. What is going on in Las Vegas, gentlemen? I was very high on Las Vegas before this year. I don't know what's going on, but they really have been the most disappointing team, in my opinion. You want to talk snake oil salesman. John hit this one on the head at the start of the year with Josh McDaniels. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think it would, Listen, I was not a believer. I didn't think it would be this bad, though. I didn't like... Bad. I mean, how do you go from letting it... They're missing Lattimore, too, aren't they, the Saints? Yeah. How does Devontae... There's a lot of things I have a question. One, how do you score zero points? How does the... Number two, how does Devontae Adams have one catch for three yards? And two, they didn't cross into the the Saints' territory until four minutes left in the fourth quarter. That's embarrassing. Next levels of ineptitude. You want to talk rough games. Derek Carr... 15 for 26, 101 yards and a pick. Josh Jacobs, 43 yards on the ground. You mentioned Devontae Adams, one reception, three yards. Insane ineptitude out of Las Vegas. Who do you think was worse this week, Carr or Wilson? Zach Wilson. Derek Carr. 100% Derek Carr. Because we... I'm not saying we expect Zach Wilson to underperform, but there's less of it, there's less pressure 
on Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, we expected to to struggle a little bit until he gets his full game. Derek Carr took a Raiders team that had no business being in the playoffs last year. Took him, took him there. Yeah, it's true. Came within a referee call of going to the next round. And they are two and five. They never should have fired Rich, uh, Rich Bisaccia. No. That was a bad move from the word go. Like, do you think Nathaniel Hackett, like, lays awake at night thinking, thinking the Lord that freaking Josh McDaniels got hired to the Braves in the same offseason as him in the same, in the same division? And it's oh, just he, he is equally being embarrassed. Like, counting his lucky stars. He's like, thank you. <laughs> So the Raiders fall to two and five on the year. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. This is a hard to watch football team. The, yeah, thing, I mean, the other thing is this, and this is a conversation that I had with a friend of mine. Is this Derek Carr's last year in Las Vegas? I think kind of has to be. It's obviously not worth. But is it is it him that's the problem? I think it might be the play calling. The thing is, it's very easy to buy out of Derek Carr's contract with five million dollars in dead cap over the next two seasons. That's it. But if that's the case, I think it's probably maybe consider moving on in the draft if they have a pick. They didn't trade their first this year, right? For Adams, only last year's. Yeah, they, they traded last year's first. And depending on how high they are in the draft, if they are in C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young territory... You can't pass on that. I think you have to at least, at the minimum, consider it. Devontae okay. Adams got his contract already. The only thing is, if that's the case, if they are they are picking that low, they have to do some con- like measuring of themselves as a whole team and see where they are because... If they actually think they have a team that can compete in the playoffs, you don't necessarily want to put a rookie quarterback under that and have to like put your team's hopes underneath the development of them, especially considering Stroud and Young are coming from really cushy situations in college where everything's really they don't have to it's very easy for these college quarterbacks, especially Stroud and Young, where it's they have all the top prospects that they can throw to and blocking for them. So I don't know when they go to teams that actually have to struggle like with bad lines, like the Raiders have right now. I wonder how they're going to do. And Will Levis as well. Do not sleep on Will Levis either. Oh yeah, yeah. I, where does he play again? I Kentucky. I always forget. Kentucky. Yeah, he plays for Kentucky. But the thing is this, right? The Raiders this year are what we expected them to be last year. Yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. I don't think anyone expected much from them last year, especially after that draft they had. Yeah, and especially with all the controversy around John Gruden. But now it seems like the bottom has has fallen out. With that said, though, if they do keep Derek Carr, Will Anderson Jr. on that Raiders defensive line opposite Max Crosby would be really nice to see. That'd be nasty. All right, John, what the hell happened at MetLife Stadium on Sunday between the Patriots and the Jets? Okay, so what happens is you have a nice, uh, 
football team, right? You know, with a winning like culture that's being built, and you know, but somehow not the Patriots. Uh, listen, but somehow not uh, the Patriots. Listen, contribute contributors from all the rookies, right? In the last, almost almost all the rookies in the last two drafts, you know, everything's bright. Sauce looks great. The defense is balling, except you know. One of our top one of you know one of our top picks last year was hurt last week, Elijah Vera Tucker. That just so happens that you know the guy we drafted before him, Zach Wilson. You know he's just a complete bust. You know so everything's okay. Wow, oh, we're at that point. Huh? We're already at complete bust. I'm like I'm like bro. I have seen every game of Zach Wilson's career, and watched every snap of Zach Wilson's career now at this point. He has failed the eye test so much for me now, where it's like, okay, I see him improving on little things, right? And I'm like, okay, well, he did this. But then it's just the inconsistency. And you know that's the worst thing from the quarterback position that you can see, right? When they just consistently fall back into bad habits. Brown fan, Browns fans, if any are listening, they are all too familiar with this for the last few years of Baker, you know? Because Baker would look insanely sharp on certain throws, you know, but then he would just be laser focused on one read and just he would not be able to go through his progressions. That's the problem I see with Wilson. Usually the one so, receive usually the one receiver it was to Baker. Yeah. The problem with Zach Wilson is not like because people want well, like I like to talk about like, oh, he hasn't played enough games, you know, all this, but like here's the thing. Everyone talks about his escapability. What I see is as escapability is, yeah, he's breaking sacks, but he's also running 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And while he's doing that, the routes, the receivers that he's saying aren't getting open, they're breaking the routes because they, they, they're, he's not looking at them. They're staring at the back of his helmet as he's running for his life for some reason. When if he either A, steps up in the pockets and looks through his reads, the, there are people open, or B, he can run. Easily for five, ten yards. He's got wheels on him, but it's like he's afraid to run now after he got hurt. He 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 does have the ability to run and he's getting space created for him. Because listen, I okay, I, I will understand why like it's extreme to say he's a bust, right? But you can you understand where I'm coming from with this because this is a very alarming thing for the Jets because we've been through scenarios like this before. Ten years ago, when we were in the AFC Championship games, we had Ross, amazing roster, and there's this one weakness at the top of it. It's kind of the most important position. It's quarterback, you know. And Wilson is not even playing the, the level Sanchez was playing, or even Darnold was playing at a few years ago. And that's a concern at this point, you know. Obviously, you know there's potential with Wilson. I'm not saying he doesn't have talent, but everyone, every sports analyst and their mother's been saying this the last weekend you know he plays like he's still in college he's still in high school he's still in BYU and it's just he can just run out there and eventually make plays but you can't do that in the NFL he's got to play within what they give him I saw two interceptions from Zach Wilson on Sunday and they were not pretty especially the first one like there's two of them might have been the worst some of the worst interceptions I've ever seen and, I, and it hurts for me to say that as a core, as a Jet fan. But, I mean, I'm not going to honestly be too upset about it because, because here's the thing. Because you've seen a lot of them. I'm not going to be too upset about Wilson no matter what, though, because I I have seen enough in this team to be confident in the direction of it. 
And I've seen other teams around the league adapt from this, you know, being in a position like this where it's like, okay, build the team and then quarterback you figure out, you know, we could get a veteran. We could trade for, say, I don't, you think necessarily Seattle is going to ride with Geno Smith in the next few years or no? I mean, I don't know. I mean, if they're, have to, if they're in a position to get a young quarterback like Stroud or young the Broncos, then you think they're going to pass on that? And maybe we trade for a veteran, you know, or something like that. So we need average level quarterback play at this position. And that's so, so, clear your, so your solution is bring Geno Smith back. Here's here's all I'm saying. I don't necessarily mean Geno, obvious, but the problem is Zach Wilson is playing like the worst quarterback in the league. And we're still five and three. Think yeah, about that. You you put that in the chat the other day that Zach Wilson is the worst starting quarterback in football. I'm not sure I agree with that one, Chief. Who's the worst, in your opinion? Right right now, I will take Zach Wilson over what Pittsburgh's got going on with what the whole situation of what Carolina's got going on. I know P.J. Walker's had a, had a good few games, but I, I can, I'd rather have Zach Wilson over P.J. Walker. I'd rather have Zach Wilson over Davis Mills. I'd rather have Zach Wilson... Probably, depending on the day, probably over Jared Goff right now. See, I don't know. Honestly, I think Jared Goff on the Jets gets us into the playoffs comfortably and wins that game by the Patriots comfortably. Because the thing that's that, a game... The thing that is helping you out, John, and Zach can agree and disagree with me on this, is that Trevor Lawrence is not lighting the world on fire in Jacksonville right now. No, he's not, but... Again, he he has a lot of okay players around him. If he was on a team with better players and a better system, he might do better. Bro, he would. But think of this, John, too. Elijah Moore is not getting the damn ball. He said it himself. Yeah, and that's Zach Wilson's fault, man. Like I could tell, I, like he listen. Yes, he only got ten snaps, but all ten of those snaps, he was open. He was wide freaking open. And Zach Wilson just is like, you know what? I'm going to throw this deep. Freaking Gary Wilson in double coverage and gets under, get intercepted by Devin McCourty. Like, Devin McCourty had more targets than Elijah Moore. Devin McCourty had more. T- <laughs> the, the, I mean, the toughest part is you were so excited about this game last week. Yeah, listen, I, I stand by my excitement. And listen, Oh, I, guess, actually, I get it, yeah. There's more reasons for this game because, listen, this is a very winnable game. There's a pick six that was negated right before halftime because of a stupid roughing the passer penalty by John Franklin Myers. That If that stands, we're up 17-3. And, that, and was a, that was a questionable roughing the passer penalty. Yeah, and that's a game – and that's a cha- – and that's a – that's a – you know, that's a game-changing play, you know. I mean, if you're up 17-3, to three, I really don't have a lot of faith in the way after how our defense is playing and how Mac Jones is playing that they can lead a 14-point comeback on the road. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones, as bad as Zach Wilson was, he definitely bailed Mac Jones out of a lot of questionable talks because that one pick was called off, was taken off the board. Yeah. But so Mac bad. Jones looked awful as well. This was a bad game to watch from everything I've heard. Yeah, I mean... That's not that's not what you want. I mean, now we have Buffalo next week, which is a guaranteed loss, as close as you can get to one at least. You know, I mean, 
Sure, it could happen. I mean, the Jags beat Buffalo last year, but the but I don't think Buffalo's let gonna let that happen again this year. I don't think Buffalo's taking any easy losses. And then next week we have to, and then the week after that we have the Patriots in Foxborough. So it is a very real possibility that we're sitting at five and five again after our five and two, our nice five and two start, which obviously would suck. But you know, like you said, then like. All we had to do was show improvement this year, and we have done that. And this was a learning year. I said, remember how I said this many times? We put all the weapons around Zach Wilson so we could find out without any question whether or not he's the guy. And they're going to find out he's the guy by the end of this year. They're not going to bench him. They've already made it clear. So now we have to learn. And I hope he could figure it out, you know, because obviously that makes things a hell of a lot easier if he just plays to what he is, was drafted. But... Otherwise, we got some decisions to make. It's been a while since we had a nice, good Jets rant from you. Oh, yeah, because there's been a lot of happy happy thoughts and good feelings the last few weeks, but all good things come to an end, especially my, my, in LA Stadium. My favorite part was the last Jets loss. Zach, I don't know if you are here for this one, but the last Jets loss, you were like, I am this close to being done with Robert Sala, and this Jets loss, X amount of weeks later, Zach Wilson's a bust. It, it's time to move on. You know, I don't think I was there for that, but I mean, yeah. Trish was. Trish was. There's some, t- like, things that, you know, they need to be doing better, and it doesn't help that, that they have a quarterback that throws a lot of interceptions. It's just, it's tough. I've talked to John about this off camera, and I said for a successful Jets season, you need to go, like, 7-10, and 10, and win your winnable games. Sunday is not helping matters. No, not at all. And, John, the other thing is this. I would rather risk it with Zach Wilson than having to trot out Sam Darnold again, like was being proposed two years ago after going 1-15 and or 2-14. and No, I know. It's just... It's frustrating, yeah, kind of... I know. You wonder if you you like you even wonder if you took Fields if he would look better, you know, because Fields honestly looks like if he had weapons around him, he'd be like contributing right away. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? You can't. It's it's, it's tough playing these what if games, you know, with with the NFL. But you know, I mean, on all you can do is just look for look to the next week and we're you know we're on to Buffalo. I mean we're well, I mean we're they're playing in MetLife, but you know just bring that on, I guess. So the tone of John from last week, bring on the Patriots too. Uh bring on Buffalo. It would have been like that no matter what the result I know, was. No, it's it's just a downer, you know. <laughs> Let's fly through some of the rest of these games. Uh Eagles just demolished the Steelers 35-13, stay undefeated 7-0. Right now the best team in football. A.J. Brown, a hat trick of touchdowns. Yeah, I heard he got drug tested the, uh, Monday morning. Yeah, he did. He tweeted about it. He did. He's like, okay, this is a, yeah. it's a coincidence. And I think it was either Charles Woodson or Charles Tillman, I forgot which one said, they were drug testing me three years after I retired. That's but, crazy. <laughs> It was the Jalen Brown show or the AJ Brown show. And the Eagles continue their undefeated ways. And I have a feeling that's going to continue Thursday night. Um, 
Titans edge out the Texans 17 to 10. Uh, Derrick Henry owns the Houston Texans, almost like Aaron Rodgers owns Chicago. Uh, Titans five and two uh, in Malik Willis's first NFL start. A game where he only completed 10 passes. Correct. <laughs> it's a good test to go up against the lowly Texans, uh, Texans squad. I mean, I wouldn't really consider it a test. I mean, the man threw 10 passes is more like a freaking quiz if anything like that. You know, it's like, if, if that. It's an open note quiz. <laughs> For real. You could, they gave him the Mac Jones tr- treatment. Just, pa- just pass the ball like a few times and just don't make any mistakes. The first game without Matt Ryan this year under center for the Colts, it was Sam Ellinger, and they did not come away with a win, losing 17-16 to the Washington Commanders, led by Taylor Heineke. Ellinger didn't play bad, though. Yeah, he didn't. I don't think he threw a pick. He didn't. He didn't, but it was the Terry McLaurin, uh, almost a Hail Mary-style catch to win the game for the commanders who have won three straight they are now four and four on the year that's actually news to me i didn't realize there were 500 yeah it's almost like that ron rivera press conference lit a fire under this team and you know what else lit a fire on this team not having carson wentz under center i was just about to say that it's like a classic like ewing theory you know like where players are better without their best player if they're injured Best that is a stretch to call Carson Wentz the team's best player. Well, you know, a, I mean, not the best player, but addition, he's just stuck. addition yeah. by subtraction. I know what you mean. <laughs> tough, tough scene out, out for Carson Wentz. And I think with these two Washington wins, I think his NFL days are numbered. He'll be uh, a backup for, somewhere. Oh, yeah, he'll same with Matt Ryan. There's no way there's 32 backup quarterbacks better than Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. No way. John alluded to this earlier. The 49ers own the Los Angeles Rams in the regular season. An 8-0 record in their previous eight matchups in the regular season. Uh, a 31-14 victory here. And Christian McCaffrey doing something that has not been done since 2005. A passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown for his hat trick. Just one of the most dynamic players in football is just now, now he's being coached by one of the most creative offensive minds in football, which it's, is just amazing. It is so much fun to watch. It is amazingly fun to see Christian McCaffrey in an offense where he can be used properly. Bring sure all the uh, base. I'm sure all fantasy owners are pretty happy. 40 points. <laughs> wow. From, from Christian McCaffrey. And uh, and by the way, Zach, I want to thank you by win- for winning by 0.5 in our Too Many Men League. <laughs> I could not believe I pulled out that win, honestly. Like, I, I <clears throat> took that as a loss two nights ago. That's one of the most insane wins, too, because I don't know if you got – if you noticed, Zach, but – my brother started Elijah Moore last second instead of Dante Foreman. And oh. Elijah Moore pulled up a go- put up a goose egg while Foreman put up thirty two. Damn, that saved me. That that's awesome. Last that. Oh, and it also it also ties me now for first in the division and in in uh, potential for the bye. Oh, sh- I didn't know I was in. I'm 
I'm in a potential for a buy in like almost every league I'm in. I'm pretty excited. I want a fantasy game week seven, 91.78 to 91.76. I was sweating that one out. It, it was a good week for me. I wanted all five games, all five leagues that I'm in. So I did not watch too, too much of the Niner Ram game. Did Jimmy Garoppolo look good? I didn't watch too much of it either. Yeah, I didn't see. I only saw the back highlights, to be honest. Yeah, you know, the thing is this. It's the Niners against it's the Niners against the Rams, right? Like it's a you know what's gonna happen. You know, and it's funny how when we did our predictions, I think it was either week three, week four, when I had the Niners beating the Rams, everybody was like, Oh my god, you have the Niners beating the Rams. This time everybody picked the Niners. Was that I said, yeah, everybody was probably like, no way. Why are you taking the Niners? Like, oh, yeah. Everybody was was confused. But this was also the same week as the infamous Godwin clause. <laughs> so just to, to throw that out there. Um, I know we're kind of going out of order here. Before we talk about the Giants game, there's one big trade from today that we did not talk about that I really, really, really want to discuss. And that's Calvin Ridley going to the Jaguars. Oh, shoot. How do we forget that? The big yeah. one, yeah. A, so, like, yeah. A stunner out of Jacksonville. Now, did you ever find out the details of that compensation? Because I, I wanted to say, but I'm totally confused on the actual details. I know there is like so weird the compensation for Calvin Ridley. And first of all, I will say this credit to Atlanta for trading him and credit to Jacksonville for taking the swing. It's a great him. move. Uh, you wanted to know about the conditions for Calvin Ridley? Yes. If he gets reinstated by a specific date, it's worth a fifth-round pick. Otherwise, oh. it's a sixth-round pick. If he makes the team in 2024, two years from now, it's a fourth-round pick. If he hits a milestone of playtime, it's a third. And if Jacksonville signs a long-term deal with him, it's a second. Oh, okay. But isn't he already... So wait, but isn't he under contract currently? So why would they sign another long-term deal with him? Because he's probably up after next season. Oh, uh, that, that would make sense, I guess. Would he didn't sense. play really last year. Yeah, and he's not playing this year. Yeah, no, I think you're right. So he probably is due up. And he's, when he plays, one of the most electric receivers in football. Obviously, last year, he struggled in a few games that he did play at the beginning of the half of the year, but it was revealed that you know, he was dealing with some Mental mental health issues, you know, and so he might not have been, you know, putting his all into it. But when he's, you know, giving it all 100%, one of the best, most fun receivers to watch in the NFL. So getting a guy like that for Trevor Lawrence, it's the same path that, you know, you see the Bills took with Diggs, Tua and Tyreek, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get your young quarterbacks a star, wep- a star to, you know, develop with. And our talk about Trevor Lawrence when Zach said Trevor Lawrence needs somebody to throw to, that's what I remembered. I was like, oh, wait, we got to talk about Calvin Ridley. Um, I love it. Absolutely love it for both sides. All right, Zach, now's your time to shine. A 27 to 13 win by the Seahawks against the Giants in Seattle. Uh, a game where I saw Ricky James muff a pun, and that was almost the only play I saw. 
He needs to be cut. I don't think I don't I didn't remember hearing anything about if he was cut, but he needs to be cut after that. I think if the Giants traded for a receiver, I think he would have been cut. Yeah. I mean, listen, it was a great game. They held their own against, a, honestly, a very good Seattle team that's been, you know, very good, obviously, to start. And nobody except Russell Wilson, no, nobody but Russell Wilson expected this. So, I don't know. It, it, they played well, and I think they should have won the game, to be honest. But what are you going to do? They're going to they're gonna come back next week, and we're going to be uh, even better. Always tough to play Seattle in, in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, no matter who's quarterback. Yeah. Like that's always a really, really tough thing. Um, but the one name I do want to mention here from this game, Kenneth Walker is a superstar. Yeah. He has that potential written all over him. He's got a touchdown in every single game this year. I mentioned last week who could be the favorite for offensive rookie of the year. Now that Brees Hall is sadly done for the year. I think you might have your guy in Seattle, just saying. It would have been such an exciting end of the year to have him and Brees going off against each other for, for that offensive rookie in the year, and I'm so annoyed we lost out on that. It's it's frustrating, man. I, I feel you, because I love Brees Hall. I loved seeing him play. I, just as much as I love seeing Kenneth Walker play. But again, even with the loss, 6-2 and two going into the bye. You can't be upset with that. No, not at all. You know, and, you know, cred- again, credit to Seattle. Stepping up and playing a very game Giants team. This Seattle Seahawks team is legit. Yeah. And, and, you know, both defenses were on the top of their game last night or the other night. They were both doing everything they could to stop them, and they were doing a great job at it. Yeah, and Seattle's defense, even though they've been hit or miss and they're missing Jamal Adams for the year, Stepped up big time. They've been stepping up big time in a major way these last few weeks, especially compared to how they started the year. And it really makes you think at this point, you know, especially when you consider how Geno's sustained this performance, you know, throughout the year. Like, are they a legit, like, contender contender, you think? Like, do you think that they are some, like, a team to be feared in the NFC as things continue to be, to develop, like, you think – I mean, I feel like the thing with that's weird with the NFC is there's just a lack of top talent. Outside of the Eagles, I feel like there's so much potential for upsets. For upsets, You know, none of these top teams seem unbeatable. I wouldn't say feared as much as they're going to be a tough out, if that makes any sense. Because the thing Seattle does have is experience specifically in the head coaching position. Pete Carroll knows how to win with his back against the wall. He's done it all season long. He's done it almost his entire career, winning with his back against the wall. But you're right, John. The NFC is so wide open. I think we can all sit here and agree that the Eagles are the number one team in the NFC. Right? Are we all in agreement on that? Yeah. Number two, though, up in the air. I'll say Giants biasly. I'll this is the team I'll say is number two. I think San Francisco. <clears throat> I, I like when they're healthy and they're not like once they get healthier. But that's I mean, the they thing. Have injured. That's the thing, John. When they're healthy, injuries yes. have always bogged down San Francisco. In the one year 
San Francisco had their entire team healthy. What happened? They went to the Super Bowl. That's they, were, they were a drive away from going to the Super Bowl last year. And uh, the Nuts are losing with seven minutes to go. Uh, what's the score? 91. Low scoring game, man. Yeah. There's a part of me that wants to say Minnesota's the number the, the second best team in the NFC, but I can't say that with confidence. San Francisco, if you told me, oh, they're the number two seed in the NFC, yeah, I could believe you. And eventually you have to believe that one of either Green Bay, the Rams, or Tampa is gonna get their shit together. I would hope Tampa Bay. I think Tom Brady is gonna he's gonna need to spark something out of that team. Zach, I think that's the most realistic one. Yeah, it's Tampa Bay. And but I the think that's of, the one you're going to see. Yeah, was that John? But the loss of Shaq Barrett is a major one for that defense, though. Oh, and... it's, it's big. Don't kid yourself, <laughs> but think of this. Green Bay has to surpass Minnesota. They're already back three and a half games. The Rams have to surpass San Francisco. And they already San... lost one. And they already lost one to San, uh, San Fran. Lost both. And they lost the big play Seattle yet or no? I don't remember. I don't think they have. It could be wrong though. Um, but they lost both games to San Fran. So they're already down so much. Yeah, I'm looking at the Rams schedule right now. The Buccaneers, the Cardinals, the Saints, then they go to KC to play the Chiefs. Then they got a game against the Seahawks. The Raiders, Packers, Broncos, L.A. Bowl on New Year's Day, and then the Seahawks to close out the year. Okay. So it gets a little bit easier, but not by much. Not with the way the Rams have been playing. And they urgently need something to change with them. I mean, I don't know. I just I have not been convinced by them this entire year. I think if anyone, like you, I think I would agree with you guys. I'm more inclined to think Tampa has the talent to make a run. And I've seen Brady look sharp, you know, at times this year. I think it's just a matter of I've been clicking at once. And eventually, hopefully that will come. I mean, it's just it's a weird situation in Tampa this year. You also don't, as much as you need Shaq Barrett, as much as a big of a piece he is, what I was going to say is you don't need him to get past the Saints, the Falcons, and the Panthers. That defense can do it on its own. Losing Shaq Barrett hurts, but it's not as much of a necessity, I think, as we as we think. Yeah, we we're talking about the Packers Sunday Night Football. Bills defeat the Packers twenty seven seventeen. The final score here did not reflect this game, though. No, this was a domination from Buffalo. How the Packers came back to cover is beyond me. But Buffalo is in a class of its own. I mean, Buffalo, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't, there's not even anything I could say about them at this point. And then they're, I have to, we have to, we have to go play them next week, the Jets, and we're just going to get absolutely destroyed. Look what they did to the Packers, man. Mm-hmm. Look what they've done to, look what they've done to all these top playoff teams from last year, man. Look what they did to the Titans, look what they did to the Rams, the Chiefs, the Chiefs. And also, I got I got a fun fact for you for the year. I forgot to mention this. Every year that Buffalo has started six and one, they've gone to the Super Bowl. 
Interesting. Interesting. Now, coincidentally, now surely they would those won. years. Surely they, they would have won the it. Super Bowl. Yeah, I was good. <laughs> oh man. So Buffalo at six and one right now, the class of the field. And it looks like as of right now, they are the number one seed in the AFC. But not if Kansas City has anything to say about it. <laughs> Monday night football. Browns defeat the Bengals 32-13. It was a needed win for the Brownies. Necessary that they had to get this W, and they did in prime time. Good win for them. Terrible loss for the Bengals. How does your offense look that anemic without Jamar Chase? Future. I mean, it's yeah, just, it, it hurts losing Jamar Chase for four to six weeks. No doubt about it. But you got to score more than 13 points here, guys. <laughs> Bless Excuse you. Bless you. Excuse me. You guys score more than 13 points here. Sorry. It's, I mean, Zach Taylor, man. It's just, I think it's it's got to be him. You know, I mean, it's just like, there's, there's no logic to this. I mean, you got you have T. Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd, you have Joe Mixon, you got Hayden Hurst. You know, you have weapons, you know to drive down the field and score points. The Browns are doing it with a backup quarterback, and nobody's that receiver outside of Amari Cooper, you know? Before we get to this week's picks, let's talk about the backup quarterback. If you're the Browns and you're 3-5 and five with Jacoby Brissett under center, are you satisfied with how he's performed so far? More, more than satisfied. You're looking at him like this is what Baker could have been playing like the last few years, and this is the full potential. I mean, They've lost, and don't get me wrong, they, they're not exactly a winning team right now at this juncture, but I don't think anyone is looking at them and being like, oh, they're a bad team. They've lost some of these games off some ridiculous errors, you know, and some just bad luck, missed field goals, you know, roughing the passer penalties, you know, like stuff like that. You know, they keep shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, Eventually, I think that'll turn around, but I mean, it remains to be seen how they're going to adapt to Watson when he's coming back from two years of not playing football. Kyle Schwarber just almost hit one to Tony Lukes. Also, Chicago Bulls up 101-92, sending the Nets into a timeout with four minutes on the clock. Oh, boy. So it's 6-0 Philadelphia. Oh, my God. I, I told you it was over after the first two. He, he did. <laughs> to be fair, Zach did. He did say that. Week nine of the National Football League slate. Um, once again, we do not have uh, Trish's picks. We have tried reaching him, and uh, he has not uh, informed us of who he is taking in each game. Let's start with the Thursday night battle on Prime Video. The 7-0 Eagles traveling to Houston to take on the 1-5-1 Houston Texans. Uh, Tom and Tony both going Eagles. Yeah, I mean, come on. I assume both of you are going birds here? Yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to. And they're 14-point dogs. I was going to say, is, do you have your facts up here? Uh, let me get to the app one second. The Barstool app coming in handy. Listen, a Houston team might win on on Thursday night against Philly, but it might it won't be it won't be the Texans. That that that's what I'll tell you. <laughs> well done, nicely done, John. 
Thank you. I'm trying to, it's loading, it's taking forever. All right, finally loaded. Nope, not yet. <laughs> All right, we're in it. We're in it. All right, first top tip, Kenneth Gainwell has scored a touchdown in five of the Eagles' last seven games against AFC opponents. The good Eagles have him. covered – yeah, good for him. That's pretty good. Uh, the other one is the Eagles have covered the spread in six of their last seven Thursday games. Reese Hoskins just hit another home run off Lance McCullers, 7 nothing. Oh, my God. Were they dogs tonight? I believe they were. I think the Phillies were dogs tonight. Gotta stop making them dogs. Actually, you don't because I'm going to keep betting it, but. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they are just taking McCullers to the cleaners. Man. 1 o'clock on Fox, the L.A. Chargers traveling down to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Tony's got the Chargers. Tom has the Chargers. I'm going upset here. I am taking the Falcons at home. I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Atlanta recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zach, are you going to go bird team or Chargers? So, I... Didn't these tips didn't sway my mind? But the Falcons have covered the spread in six of their last eight games, and the Falcons have won each of their last three home games. Ooh, that makes me. I'm, I'm taking an upset. I don't think the Chargers are that good. I'm taking the Falcons. I like I like that. Let's go, me and you. We're riding it out, baby. Yes, we John, are. John, are you going to join us? You know what? I like a good bandwagon for a bird team, so I will join y'all. On yes. This. Yes, I mean, John. the Chargers. The Chargers not look like world beaters in the slightest. So yeah, no, let's do it. not at all. Yeah, and again, I'm not a fan of of head coach Brandon Staley there. Uh, one o'clock on CBS, the Miami Dolphins taking on the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. Tony and Tom both have the Dolphins. As am I. I'm taking the Miami Dolphins. Are both of you joining me in taking the Fins? Let me read yes. the hot tips first. John, John, not even listening to his hot tips. Yes. <laughs> Dolphins have failed to cover the spread in each of their last five games. And the Bears' last five games at Soldier Field have gone under. They just got Chase Claypool. Their defense isn't terrible. Give me an upset with the Bears. I respect it. I respect it. Nothing, yeah, like, the, nothing like the Bears and the under at Soldier Field. Kind of going hand in hand. Okay. Oh, the Dolphins just got Bradley Chubb, though. That's true. It's all right. It'll be fine. One o'clock on Fox, the P.J. Walker-led Carolina Panthers head into Cincinnati to take on Joe Burrow and the defending AFC champion Bengals. Both of the Picnic boys are taking the Bengals. Oh, yeah, really? Yes, I am as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that, guys. I'm taking the Panthers. Thank you, John. Giving some respect to my Carolina Panthers and how shitty the Cincinnati Bengals team is. Because <laughs> listen, I think I think listen, I agree with you on this. I think I know why you're betting this because every time you bet on them to beat shitty teams, the Bengals, right? They just they shoot the they lose. Yeah, and, well, yeah, and plus exactly. last week they did nothing. Their offense is so anemic; it's awful. And that's, that's Zach Taylor too. Like, Whoever's calling plays. Carolina's defense is actually really good too, and Joe Burrow, like. I mean, I mean, that line, they put so much money in that offensive line, and he's getting sacked still so much. All right, I'm bailing. I'm, I'm, I'm hopping on the Carolina train. 
It's amazing. Matt Rule leaves. I start taking the Panthers. <laughs> By the way, I see John still sticking to his. I'm not taking the Bears the rest of the year. Yes. Yeah, I think that out by taking the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, next? Oh, I was waiting for your uh, top tips. They weren't. There was nothing about. Uh, it was just about the over and the under. So. Oh. Yeah. Not really much. Uh, one o'clock on Fox. Oh, this is a good game to get Aaron Rodgers back on track. The Green Bay Packers traveling to Ford Field to take on their division rivals, the Detroit Lions. Both Tony and Tom. Taking the Packers, I am also taking the Packers at uh, on the road. Uh, Zach, are you going to go with the Pack? The Lions have covered the spread in each of their last seven games as home underdogs against the NFC North opponents, and the Lions have won four of their last five games as home underdog underdogs as NFC opponents. Give me the Detroit Lions. What's the spread on this game, Zach? Um, three and a half. And that is Packers are favorited by three and a half. I would say that's less than I expected it to be. Yeah. Uh John, are you going with the pack or the Motor City Kitties? I'm making an underdog parlay right now because I like some of these underdogs. Just remind me, have these teams played yet this year? I don't believe they have. I I think this is their second one of the year. I'm taking the Lions here. I think that. I, I feel like Dan Campbell's, like I said, he's a snake oil salesman. I feel like this is the one game that, like, all the culture, all, like, his hype man stuff is actually going to come really in. He's gonna, uh, that, that team's going to be motivated against this Green is, Bay. This is their first matchup of the – um. this is their first matchup of the year, these two. They also play in the last week of the year on January 8th. And this oh. is at Ford Field. Yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking the Lions yeah, here. Yeah, this is at Ford. Oh, God. Oh, my – 1 o'clock on CBS – the two and five Raiders traveling to TIA Bankfield in Jacksonville to take on the two and six Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh my goodness. Tony's got the Raiders. Tom's got the Raiders. I have to I have to pick one. I'm, I'm going with the Raiders on the road. I think they're just a more talented football team. Zach. Uh one sec going to the game on Barstool. This is this and is your under- underdog parlay, by the way, of yeah. Here we go. It is the Detroit Lions, the Panthers, and the Falcons. Three-team parlay to win 122 off $5. Are you going to put the Bears in there as well? No. Okay. I'm, I'm not that confident on them. I was going to say, because you picked the Bears. In oh, there. yeah, yeah. I, I'm well aware. This is this is your under game of the week, by the way, Raiders-Jaguars. Yeah. Um, What are your top tips here? Uh, Jaguars have lost each of their last eight games against a team that held a losing record. So that's pretty good. That's a that's an important one. Uh, seven of the Jaguars' last eight games at TIA Bank Stadium have gone under the total points line. Yeah, that that adds up. I think I, I'm gonna have to take the Raiders. I th- as much as I don't want to, I think it's gonna be the Raiders. Say, like, go with your gut. Always go, go with your gut. gut. Yeah. John, are you gonna go with the Raiders or the Jaguars? I mean, I don't want to go with either of them, but I have to. So I'll go with the Raiders. You can always do tricks and go for a tie. Good. Uh, One o'clock on CBS, the Colts are traveling to Gillette Stadium to take on the New England Patriots. Tony has the Patriots. Tom has the Patriots. By the way, Tony and Tom have the exact same picks uh, for most of these games. 
I wonder if um, they coordinated for that. I'm I'm going to take the Patriots at home here. Uh, Zach, who are you going to ride with? Before I, I jump in, I just want to go off topic for five seconds. Uh, McCullough is the first pitcher to give up five home runs in any postseason game. Sheesh. Yeah. Ever? Ever. Wow. <laughs> That's actually That's what it says in the tweet by Mark Fizan, so. This was not a good Lance McCullers day. Lance McCullers not had a good postseason. No. So my whoa, we're doing the Colts Patriots, correct? Yeah, we're doing we're doing Colts uh, Patriots. All right. I like this game. Not in the way you guys probably think. Twelve of the Colts' last thirteen games have gone under, and the Colts have won four of their last five as road underdogs. Give me the Colts. I'm not sold on this Patriots team. Plus Sam Ellinger, all right? He's going to yeah. break out in a big way this week. I was going to ask, why do you like this game so much, Zach? Because of the Colts. They're going to beat the Patriots. And Good. Sam Ellinger. Okay. Sam Ellinger is a beast. He's going to he's gonna break out. I started him on my fantasy team this week. Didn't really matter. He scored seven points, but it's okay. You got the win. Got the win. John, are you going to ride with Sam Ellinger as well? Yeah, listen. I don't know. If Sa- I don't. I don't know if Sam Erlinger is a good quarterback or not. I just know Mac Jones isn't, so I'm picking the Colts. <laughs> one o'clock on CBS. The the six and one Buffalo Bills taking on the five and three New York Jets. Tom is taking the Bills, and Tony is taking, and I quote here: "Bills by a million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen. Yeah, I mean. We're not, we're not, we kind of have to, right? I, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not going to delude my, myself into being that we even had a slight shred of this chant. Like, even if we, even if we blew out the Patriots by thirty last week, I would have taken the Bills by a county mile here. <laughs> Zach, I assume you're going with Buffalo. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I don't, we don't even really need the the bar stool tips for this one. Uh, the underdogs have covered the spread in seven of the last eight games. Oh, John, you can at least cover. Yes, you can at least cover. Uh, those last five games have gone under. I mean, listen, to be fair, covering against the Bills just means being within 11 and a half points. So, I mean, that's not saying much, it just means you weren't blown out by two by double digits. Remember, John, good, good teams win, great teams cover. That is true. That Kyle Schwarber home run went 443 feet. Wow. Oh, yep. Just saw that 113 miles per hour on the uh, exit velocity. My goodness. Uh, One o'clock on Fox, the 6-1 and Minnesota Vikings, my Minnesota Vikings, traveling to Washington. Kirk Cousins returned to FedEx Field. Uh, Tony is taking the commanders. Of course he is. I think that's just a vendetta against me. I really do. Tom is taking the Vikings. I am taking the Vikings here. And they're like I said, they are just they're a better team, right? I am excited to play Taylor Heineke though. He was on our practice squad and he looked really good on our practice squad. So I gotta gotta give a shout out to my guy Taylor Heineke here, but I'm taking the purple people eaters to win. Zach, are you gonna go with my boys or are you gonna go with the commanders? So there's two conflicting hot tips here. Um, first one, the Commanders have won each of their last five games in November. All right, so that's yeah, that's pretty good. 
Although Minnesota has won four out of the last five uh, games against Washington. So I'm going to take Minnesota. I think when you see those conflicting hot tips, I think you just got to go with the favorite. Yep. John, are you going to gonna ride with my boys here? Make yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm, I ain't taking the commanders here. It's a hot. It's, yeah, they've, they've won three in a row, but so what? These two teams just played each other, but we get a good rematch here. 405 on Fox, the Seattle Seahawks, the NFC West leading Seattle Seahawks, traveling to Arizona to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Some disrespect here. Seattle is dogs. Are you serious? As of right now, yes, they are. What? (laughs) Oh, I wish I could have added them to my parlay. I didn't. Oh, man. I'm going to make another one then. Make another one. Tony is taking the Seahawks. Tom is taking the Cardinals. Okay. I I <laughs> I'm taking the Seahawks here. If John if John I think I if John said what I think he said, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> no, it's like I'm not taking the Cardinals here. Give me the Seahawks. So like, like Kyler Murray has been on COD all week. I just like I I I really want to know why I want Tom on the on the phone right now. Let me, <laughs> so, let, me, let, me let me let me let me see if he's available for a uh, for a quick call. Uh, Zach, are you going with the um the Seahawks or the Cardinals? I'm gonna be going with the Seahawks for sure. All right, let me let me see if I can get Tom here. Uh, I, I'm just. What, wait, what is the what have the Cardinals shown you over the last few weeks? That's like, yeah, they got the edge over the Seahawks. <laughs> they they are the team with the uh, that's giving you the favorite. <laughs> uh, while I wait, Tom. Okay, first of all, a you are live on the podcast, and B, I'm calling you because John has a question. All right, Tom, why why did you pick the Cardinals over the Seahawks? Uh, D Hop, <laughs> bro. Kyler Murray probably hasn't even looked at a single piece of film in the last two weeks since Cod's come out, and you're taking them over the the lightning hot sea, the, the white hot Seahawks who look amazing the last few weeks. Aren't they in Arizona? Yes, yeah, they are. Still. I'm taking the Cardinals, John. Leave me alone. By the way, the Cardinals are favorites, Tom. Third team. They're both bird They're teams. They're both bird teams. The home bird team. Ended my under, uh, underdog parlay. All right, oh. well, I got I got an answer, but I'm not happy with it, Tom. You're not happy with my answer? <laughs> I mean, it's an answer. What more do you want, John? Listen, I'm not convinced. I, I, I guess I'm just not convinced. True. It's okay. I will say you are the only one here taking, taking the Cardinals. I respect the pick, Tom. I'm the only one who took the Cardinals. We're all taking the Seahawks. Zach took the Bears over the Dolphins. I respect that. It's wrong. <laughs> I respect it. <laughs> wrong, but I respect it. The Chase Claypool game is upon us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what Zach said. He's like, well, the Bears got Chase Claypool. I'm taking the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Good pick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, I'll... I'll talk to you later, Tom. Uh, I'll see you guys. We miss you on the pod. I'll be back one day. <laughs> one day. Hopefully. <laughs> later, Tom. We love you. I'll have a ceremony. Love you, Tom. 
So there you go, John. Uh, well, you uh, seem disheartened over this. I don't know, man. I'm perplexed. In the battle it's, of what was that? Was that? It's, I, 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 I'd engage with them more, but this has just become another Carson Wentz thing. So I don't want. <laughs> no, you don't want that. I know you so, don't. So go on. You're gonna, you were saying. In the battle of the NFC's underwhelming teams, the LA Rams traveling to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. Tony's taking the Bucks. Tom is taking the Rams. I am taking the Buccaneers at home. I'm you know, standing by what I said earlier when I said the Buccaneers have the best chance at rebounding uh, with their um, underwhelming start. Uh, Zach, are you going to go Bucks or Rams? Mm, I was going to go Bucks until this hot tip. The Rams have won each of their last six games as underdogs against the Buccaneers. Give me the Rams. That is an important hot tip for you. Also, the Rams have won the last four out of five games. Yes, including the one in the playoffs last year. Yes, the only time they lost the Rams was when they lost 55 to 40. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, John, are you going to go with the Rams or the Bucks? I was going to go with the Bucks. That's very interesting, though. Until you heard the hot tip? Okay, you know, no, I'm gonna go with the Bucks. This, okay. this Rams team is not this Rams team of the last. <laughs> right, like the this Bucks team looks any better? No, no, I know, but I mean, it's okay. It's like I'm we're I'm picking and I'm splitting hairs here between how bad both these teams look compared to how they look in the past. So I'm going with the Bucks. I hope they get back to it. In what could be the most lopsided Sunday night football game of the season, the Tennessee Titans at five and two traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs, who are also five and two. Uh, Tony and Tom both taking the Chiefs, as am I. Are either of you taking the Titans? No. No. That is not a... That is wait, not wait, a wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. Wait. So, uh, each... The Titans have covered the spread in each of their last five games, but that's not what changed my mind here. Out of the last four head-to-head opponents, or games between Tennessee and Kansas City. Tennessee has won four out of five. So are you switching back to the Titans? Give me the Titans. I was afraid you were going to ask for a Ryan Tannehill clause. Nope. That's why I was that's why I said oh no. Doesn't matter. Monday night football on ESPN, the Baltimore Ravens traveling down to the Caesar Superdome in New Orleans to take on the Saints. Tony's got the Ravens. Tom's got the Ravens. As am I. I am also going with the Baltimore Ravens. Zach, are you in agreement? Give me the Saints at home. John? Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm just a little bit interested in you guys sleeping on Andy Dalton a little bit. I mean, this is the noted Raven killer. And you think, you think he just forgot about that? In the Superdome. In the Superdome? No, give, give me, give me uh, the Saints. In the Superdome, too, of all places. (laughs) Anyway, that is our picks for week nine. And that's going to do it for our episode of Too Many Men as we watch the Philadelphia Phillies have a 7-0 lead over the Houston Astros. Silence is is all we can muster when it comes to that news. Yeah. 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 Happens. Happens, guys. Every episode of the Too Many Men's Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I know I said last week that we might be back later. 
Uh, I hope that's the case this week, too. Uh, yeah, we, I think we should be. That'd be nice if we could do another Sunday Spreads episode. Yeah. A while. You know, life's, life's gotten in the way for all of us. It's been uh, tough. It definitely has been tough. But anyway, we will see you later for another episode of Too Many Men.